Attention SLPs and OTs with existing private practices. Are you ready to level up your private practice and your life and make this your breakthrough year? If so, join us for Make More in 2024, a free training offered on Thursday, March 21st at 8 p.m. Eastern to discover how to shift from clinician to CEO. During the training, we'll talk about the importance of maximizing your income, adding revenue streams, setting up systems, and more so that you can ultimately work smarter and build a successful, sustainable, and sellable business. To sign up, just visit growyourprivatepractice.com backslash training. Don't miss the chance to learn how to effectively navigate the growth phase of the private practice journey. See you on the training. My name is Jenna Castro-Casbon. I am part of a group of private practitioners who have taken client care into our own hands. We are skilled clinicians who pride ourselves on providing high quality care to our clients and their families. We are fighting against productivity requirements, administrative red tape, and unnecessary restrictions. We started our own private practices to take control of our professional and personal lives, of our schedules, of our incomes, of our future. We work hard for our clients, but on our terms. We believe in helping others, but also helping ourselves. We are not interested in competing with each other because we hope we'll all make it. We are successful private practitioners, and these are our stories. Can you start with your name, your location, and the name of your private practice? Sure. Um, Lori Malnitsky. Um, I direct All Island Speech and Stuttering Therapy, and, it, and I am in Plainview, New York. Fantastic. Lori, can you tell us how you got started really in the field? Where, where did you start as a young private practice or a young practitioner that then maybe led you to private practice? So I think I have kind of a unique story. Um, I started pretty badly when I was younger. So when I went to college, I didn't know really what I wanted at all. And I was a business major and I really was not thinking about speech. So I worked in the accounting field for about five years. And at that point I had just had enough because I just wasn't the, the type of person to sit in one place. And I started to, I was actually really involved in support groups at that time for adults stutter and I found like I, I really liked helping people so I went back for my master's and I started out probably like early on this is I mean I'm in the field now 27 years I think so it's been a long time um, so when I first started I was wor- working in school in schools but then I got like very into you know early intervention as my kids mm-hmm were young and you know I could like make my own schedule and to be honest I was very scared I mean I'm being honest I was very scared about I knew I wanted to specialize in stuttering therapy Mm -hmm. at that time I like I I didn't feel like my speech was fluent enough almost so I was very scared about it but at some point 
you know, it was something like exploding in me. I wanted to really help. And I would say it's been over 10 years. So I think since, oh, actually, I think since 2001. So I just decided I was going to, you know, make my lower level into an office. And I, you know, really start, I mean, I knew a lot about stuttering therapy from my own experience, but I learned as much as I possibly could. I took a lot of continuing ed and I just kind of, you know, opened up my doors and I said, whatever happens, happen. But I, I kind of like always knew it would happen. And I, you know, really, really tried to get my name out there. So I, I always though, I mean, as I was building my private practice and, you know, even now I was still doing a lot of early intervention. I still work like part-time at a school, but my practice, you know, every year it, it gets more and more, you know, and the more I've gotten my name out there, the more I've been able to rely on that more. I think that's fantastic. So you kind of started out as like a generalist, I guess, right? Yeah, I did. I mean, I always liked, you know, a lot of oral motor therapy. I mean, I'm certified in prompt. So I did start out very general, but I found myself taking a lot of like oral motor and my prompt. And um, I was very into um, apraxia also. So I started out more general i mean i think working in 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 the schools i never felt i was i didn't know enough about one thing you know i i just had to spread myself so thin um i was also working in a rehab site you know earlier on so it's kind of like you know whoever walks in you 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 just have to know everything and and for me i i i didn't particularly like that because i wanted to have the expertise that I needed. Well, and your clients want that too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's so interesting too, that you bring such a nice balance of both personal experience and, you know, um, just clinical knowledge, right? That I would imagine that that combination has really led certain clients to you. Yes. I mean, I would think, you know, it's so interesting, like something that I really hated. Um, you know, of course, I never really wanted to stutter, but something that I really hated has really been something that's enabled me to really help a lot of people. And I really believe that, you know, they've learned from me, but I've honestly, over the years, I've learned from them also. So I'm very grateful to you know to be in the position that I am I feel like I yes I can really I do understand what's in their head I feel like being a mom also helps because you know all all of a sudden you realize how nervous parents are and you understand what it means um and you give different advice right if I think back to some of the advice that I gave people before I was a parent it was terrible. <laughs> You're right. Well, right? I think, I think you know, early on, like I just, you know, if if somebody, if a parent asks, you feel like you need to know that answer at that moment, 
And now I feel like, right, so many years later, you can like step back a minute and you can, you know, actually ask them like more, a little bit more like what they need help with. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's very, yes, I gave some probably very interesting advice. Totally. Yeah. You know, you, you live and learn and as circumstances change, you know, different things happen. So you mentioned that you're in your office. Do you see clients in your office or is this just your home office? I do. I actually have a, I mean, I have a home office and I mean, I know a lot, you know, a lot of people on um, your group ask about this and it's, you know, really interesting. I mean, I started out with the home office thinking that one day when my kids were older and they are older now, um, that I might move out. But in my case, um, I just found it was like a really nice balance. I feel like, I I don't feel like people mind it. I feel they find it kind of homey, honestly, and it's kind of worked. So I never, you know, I mean, maybe one day I would move out, but I never really had to. Well, you can't beat the commute. It's great. It's great. If you, if you have the space, I think people should use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, especially when you're first starting out, you don't have to worry about the overhead as, as much, which, which I think a lot of people, you know, when your expenses are, are a lot early on, it makes it harder. It puts a lot more pressure on you. So I never really had that. Yeah. I think that's great. So, um, what does a typical day look like for you? So I work a lot and um, I'm a little bit of a workaholic, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> right. So my day can start like at 8.30 and I could see private clients from 8.30 until 10. Then I'll go from about 10.30 until 2 because I, I work in a school and then I can work until from about three until nine at night. Wow. So I, you know, this, this past year, I got very, very busy. Um, and I've thought about hiring. I go back and forth about hiring. I still think, you know, even after all these years, I prefer working um, only with me. Mm-hmm. We'll see what, what happens. Cause this summer actually has been a really, really busy one so I'll see what happens over the next year so yeah and I work on Saturdays so also yeah so you so it sounds like you're definitely busy and and should maybe think about hiring somebody but you I mean you have to the best thing about private practice is that you can do what works for you right right it seems like it's working for you you absolutely you you and I both are like workaholics right so it's like we can if we like this, if this is within our comfort zone, then fine. It's if things get out of balance that then we have to find a way to kind of correct things. But if it's working for you, then, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think the one thing I'm like starting to realize is that, you know, and I, 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 I have started doing this more. I mean, the administrative part I need help with. I mean, I have a, college student who does some of my social media, you know, she'll make flyers for me. Um, 
you know, I think it's my personality also. I have a hard time, you know, I like to like micromanage everything. So, but you know, I am starting to realize you really can't do everything because, you know, otherwise I'll be up all night. Um, right. Which I don't think, you know, either one of us want to be up all night. And, and I am starting to realize, you know, I definitely like have to have set vacations, you know, as, as opposed to working. I mean, my school has off, but, you know, I, I think in private practice, there was a time where like, I thought I had to work like, you know, every holiday and, you know, all year. And I'm learning that's like not good for me and it's not really healthy. So um, I am learning that. So let me ask you a question. Early in the conversation tonight, you mentioned that you had a background in accounting from undergrad. Has that helped you? I think it really has. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's funny because when I worked as an accountant, I mean, it was many, many years ago. Um, but I, I almost feel like a lot of the skills I maybe did not utilize early on has helped me now. I really, um, I was actually, because I, 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 I have one daughter who's in graduate school and one who's in undergrad and I said to both of them um you know I, I think everybody should like have to take you know at least a beginner level accounting class because I feel like you know now I mean you really like you know have to know the very if if you're going into private practice I think you really have to know the at least the bare minimum um you know and I think there are things that I know that are sort of you know helping me now more yeah more. Yeah, I think it really ha has helped me. I think that's great. And I completely agree. And I would love to take such a course. I, I have always been bad at math, like legitimately bad at math. And that's something that I, I personally really struggle with. So I would love to, I did take some business classes in undergrad um, it wasn't accounting. It was like a personal finance class, but mm -hmm. I have also relied on some of the information that I learned. And that was also, you know, now it's been a long time, but I think it is good to have courses where you kind of force yourself to think about numbers differently. And I think I totally agree that this is something that private practitioners should do. I have not yet done it myself, but I think it's great advice. <laughs> and honestly, you don't, I mean, everything's so automated now. Yeah. You, you don't really have to be an expert in math. I mean, years ago, everything was done manual, so it was much harder. Yeah. No, so. you're right. You can, you can use QuickBooks. You can use, you know, any number of things. But I think that you're, you're right to kind of, you know, learn the fundamentals so that you know what, what's behind the numbers. Right. That's, I think, what, you, you know, matters. Yeah, definitely. Yes. yes. So Lori, tell me more about what, like where you see your private practice going, you know, in the next, I don't know, year, two years, three years. So what I really want to do, I mean, as I've expanded, um, I actually think I'm leaning towards just, um, I mean, I, I specialize in stuttering now and I'm le and oral motor, but I think I'm leaning or I'm hoping to really in a year because I'm like almost there 
to predominantly only see people who stutter. Um, I, I've been seeing a lot more adults, which I love because I've been able to reach out to them more. I find it's very, very hard to get to the adults because, you know, they don't have the, they have social media, but they don't have parents who are kind of like, you know, watching out and, you know, mentioning things. So um, I, what do I have planned? I mean, I, so I've, I've, I've started to do like this year, we're starting a school age group for um, school age kids who stutter. Um, I'm starting to do, well, hopefully I'm starting to do some webinars. Um, I'm starting to really try because I, uh, I just this year introduced a specialized program that I um, actually went over, went for many, many hours of training for adults who stutter called the MPI, which a lot of, I think most people don't really know about. So um, I'm really, so my goal is to really um, make this like a full service, you know, practice for people who stutter. Um, you know, I, I would like to figure out some way of, you know, I've thought about doing something more nonprofit because I mean, so much of this is, is not covered. And um, I, re I really feel like I turn away mm -hmm. a lot of people. Um, and I'm, I don't like that. Um, so I've been, you know, tr trying to think about something to do in the nonprofit realm you know also to really help more so if it was up to me i would like i would expand like you know all over yeah. um and you know i i i go back and forth um you know whether i should expand more i mean i i'm i am in new york i'm licensed in new jersey also so i'm i'm going to really see you know how much more I expand in the next year and then try and kind of figure out you know how I want to branch out. Well what, something that you said earlier that I thought was really interesting was this idea of doing webinars because then you could expand way beyond New York and New Jersey right, right? right. I mean in terms of um doing service delivery in something like a telepractice realm, yes, you need to be licensed in the state where the client is. But if you're giving more information-based webinars and not doing direct treatment, you can absolutely, that would be a, an enormous way to scale your private practice by developing more like, you know, information products or, you know, helping tools, whatever, that people could access via webinars. I think that'd be very cool for you to do. I would love to. And actually, I, I, I honestly get a lot of international e emails because there are a ton of people. You, you would be like really surprised, I mean, or maybe not, but I get a ton of like emails from people all over the world who are in remote parts of the world and there is no help. So... I would, yeah, it, it would be wonderful to help them also. Yeah. 
Well, I think that all of this is fantastic. So um, as we're kind of wrapping up, is there anything that you like advice or tips or anything that you could give um, the audience? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, if you're in private practice and you're not really sure, I mean, the best advice I can say is to, you know, find something that you love and you specialize in because I think it, you know, is hard with um, insurance, unfortunately, for speech therapy. I'm not sure what exactly happened, but um, it just, you know, hasn't been the best. And, um, you know, there's such a need out there. And, you know, especially as a parent, um, you know, we're, um, we're like all looking for an expert because we really want to help our kids. So if you can make yourself an expert, in like one or two areas, you're going to provide a tremendous amount of a, a tremendous service. And also the other thing I want to, you know, it, people should know, I mean, I really, when I first started out, I was very nervous. Um, we had thought to like, before we actually like redid part of our house into an office, we thought to maybe, you know, hold off until I had gotten more clients clients. And I actually went the other way. And I was like, no, this will happen. This is going to absolutely happen. So I made it into an office. And, uh, and it ha has happened. So I, th I think the hardest part is that, you know, everyone's very nervous about it. But you should, I can't say that enough, you know, find a, a, a specialty that, that you love and you, you, you become an expert in. Yeah. Because once you're an expert, then people will seek you out. Right. right. I mean, Absolutely. I think this is one of the things that everyone's always talking about is how to get word of mouth and all people want is word of mouth. But unless people know about you because they're talking about you, because there's a reason to talk about you, you're not going to get word of mouth referrals. You're not. And you might not get the word of mouth right away. But, you know, if if you write a an article for a parent magazine, you know, it, it's very interesting how like the first year after the article's out, you might not hear anything. And all of a sudden, five years later, all of a sudden, somebody finds your name in a parent magazine. So you just have to keep doing things to get your name out there because it's, it really is amazing how many referrals I've got from people who, who have found information that's been out there. I think that's, that's fantastic advice. And it's advice that you um, are, are, have done and are currently doing and are looking to do even more so, it sounds like in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a really, you know, big role. I'm very motivated. I love it. And, you know, the more people I can help, I mean, that's what my goal is. I love it. Well, Lori, thank you so much for being with us all tonight. Thank you for sharing your story and your information, insights, and tips. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, good. We'll have a great night and we'll be you in too. touch. You too. Now that you've listened to the podcast, I hope that you're all fired up to help more people while making more money. If you need help starting or growing your private practice, I can help. I've created tons of high quality resources for beginning through established private practitioners alike to help you save time, money, and confusion. 
Just visit www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get instant access to everything from startup guides to marketing plans to ongoing support and mentorship and more. Listen, private practice can be complicated, but it doesn't have to be. My job is to simplify the process for you so that you can do what you do best, help people. But first, you have to help yourself. Just go to www.privatepracticeinfo.com and get the resources you need to succeed today. Well, this episode might be over, but we don't have to say goodbye. Head on over to independentclinician.com for resources that will help you at each stage of your private practice journey. If you're on Instagram, let's connect. Follow me and send me a DM. I'm at independent clinician. And if you're on Facebook, make sure that you join the SLP and OT Private Practice Beginners Facebook group. All right, off to help more regular SLPs and OTs become successful private practitioners. Let me know if I can help you too.